Hey guys, welcome to the Next Level Agents Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Kaufman, and along with my business partner and co-host, Fred Weaver, we bring to you our podcast all about getting to the next level. Sometimes we talk to real estate agents, sometimes brokers, sometimes people just in and around our space, and sometimes just entrepreneurs in general. But our point here is to talk to the brightest and the best and to pull gold nuggets out of them and bring them to you so that way you can take little actionable pieces of advice, sometimes big actionable pieces of advice and make your business even better and help you get to the next level. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, go over to ratethispodcast.com, ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA, stands for Next Level Agents, and please leave us a five-star review if you have not already. All right, without further ado, welcome to today's episode. All right, guys, we're back on the Next Level Agents podcast, and today I'm finally, finally, four years into this podcast, four and a half years into this podcast, finally joined by my man, my brother, my uncle, even, uncle, I like to call him uncle, Uncle Nolly Williams. Nolly, what's up, brother? What's up, my man? I think you started this podcast right around the time we started working together. Uh, Let me see. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe um, 2019. just before, I think it was, I, I, it was, just, it was like a October, November of 2018, if I'm not wow. mistaken. Wow. So wow. yeah, that's when we launched yeah. it. Um, you know, it's cool though. I'd always wanted a podcast, but I didn't know, like, I literally didn't know how to do it. Like, I thought it was like, I had been a guest on a podcast before a few times. And it was always like I went to a studio and there was like this sound engineer and this real fancy setup. And so in my mind, that's what it had to be. In fact, Fred and I were, we had both talked about it multiple times. Like we should have a podcast, but like, it seems like such a commitment. And then one day we had an employee literally go, Hey, you know, that vi- those videos you're posting on Facebook, like we could just take the audio off that and make you a podcast. And I was like, mine was blown. And I literally said to them, it was two, it was, it was two people. I said, so are you telling me that if I, re- if I went on zoom with somebody and I recorded it and I just gave you that file, you could make that into a podcast. And she was like, yes. I was like, I'll be back. And dude, that was, you know, that was November of 2018. Here we are. I love it. I love it. Efficiency. It demystify the whole thing. So, yeah. And it's exactly. amazing what we can do now, man. It is just so amazing, bro. Dude, when you technology. look at the technology that we have available to us, um, you know, Fred and I were doing videos back. We literally started doing video blogs in 2009. Um, yeah, I remember that. Short sale power hour. Baby. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Like way back in the, you were a guest multiple, multiple times. It's yeah, like, I guess in great. a way you've kind of been on the podcast, if you will, a ton of times just before it was called the podcast and we just called it a video blog or a vlog back in the day because we go way back man um let's see nolly our our paths first crossed it was at family reunion we were in orlando florida i believe it was like february of 2009 is that does that sound Mm -hmm. right to you yeah that's when it was and and uh for those that don't know family reunion that's a keller williams family reunion every year uh, it's been hosted. Um, I think a couple years they they did they they did it virtual. Try to do it virtual. I'm not sure, but anyway, um, that's where we met, man. We were on stage together, bro. Uh, from what I remit, what I recall. So you you and you got them removed now, but like you had you had braces, and I was like, who is this black man with brace? Tall, skinny yeah. black man with braces yeah. and a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. Boy just came over. He just came over from Remax, and he's just like 
and we're on the same panel that was, and I was like, we just hit it off right away. And I remember we, yeah. I mean, we became, we became friends very quickly. And, uh, and it's funny, man, your wife, Josie, she posted a picture uh, probably in the last, what, two or three weeks from one of the first times, like back in 2009, 2010, that we visited you at your home in, uh, at the time when you guys lived in Round Rock. Um, yep. and you could, man, you could see how young all of us were. It was, that's been a <laughs> while, man. We go way back, brother. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. That that's it, it's, it, it's been some amazing times too, man. We've learned a lot. You know, yeah. you and I are students of the game. You know what I'm saying? Like we study, we don't just, uh, uh, we don't just participate in, in the real estate game or in entrepreneurship, but we study it. And, you know, we read books, we learn from people. We have a lot of mentors, teachers, and we've come a long way, bro. It's just, it's, it really is incredible um, to see both the, the growth for, for you, uh, you know, you and Fred and, and then myself, it's, it's, it's phenomenal, you know, yeah, and, we done a lot and of, not only that, we don't keep it to ourselves. We share, we spread the love. We no doubt. Uh, well, I think that's probably why we hit it off. I mean, if you think about it, we we met each other on a panel where we were, we were all giving away information. We we're giving away our quote unquote secrets, uh, if you will, at the time, which was around short sales. And so there, I guess there's kind of no surprise that we became such good friends. And like what you just said, I, I think rings true, but I want to do, I, what I want to do is take a step back now. Like, cause so I met you, you were already a very established real estate agent. You had just been recently been recruited to Keller Williams by Gary Keller from, uh, from Remax there in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And, um, you were already pretty well established in the game, but like real estate wasn't your first career. So for the listener that doesn't know you, give us the, uh, give us the elevator pitch, like the two minute of pre real estate Nolly. And just cause yeah. it's such a unique background that I think people deserve to hear about. You know, my dad was an entrepreneur and I would spend many, uh, weekends, at the flea market, he had a table, he had handcrafted jewelry. And I liked this whole idea that, man, he would, he was just turning money. He always had a pocket full of money. And uh, I, I looked at my mom and she would, she was a career person. She had a master's in psychology. She'd go off to work every day. And I said, they, it, to me, it looked like they owned her. Like my dad just worked weekends. He was, so when I looked at it, I said, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. So at age 12, that's what I started doing when I was 23 uh, I quit my my full time job because I always did a side hustle of entrepreneurship. I had my regular my regular job, then I had a side hustle. But I'm 53 now, so for 30 years I've been uh, self employed. Uh, I've not had a W two, and I've had to you know make either make it or break it, you know. And so when I first got started, though, I was in rap. I was a rapper. And I started doing rap back in um, in the 80s, like 83, you know, and uh, I, I started doing gangster rap because I lived in Los Angeles and that's what we listened to, you know, N.W.A., E.Z.E., Ice Cube, uh, you know, uh, you name it. That's what that, that was our thing. And so. Um, so I started doing gangster rap and then but then I had an encounter with Christ uh, when I was 18 and and went over to the light side, I say, and, and, but I, I still did my rap, you know, at first I, I got rid of it, but I, I picked it back up. I felt like God was calling me to do, you know, Christian rap. So I did and uh, built a whole legacy around it. I mean, we, we launched a, a, a label with 1800 bucks that we got from friend. You know, we talk about um, seed money. I mean, I just asked friends and family, Hey, would you, I, I want to do this. 
you know, would you, would you give me money? <laughs> and I got $20 here, 40 there, a hundred there, 50 here. And I raised 1800, quit my job. And I started this company. And within four to five years, uh, we were making 150,000 a month. I started Dang. that company when I was 23, 23 years old. And by the time I was 29, I made my first million, made $2 million that year. I uh, bought this big house when I was 26. Um, and that, that's what I did for, I, I, you know, it was a decade and we kind of raised a whole generation of kids, you know, church kids <laughs> listening to grape tree records. We had 18 artists. We had just, you know, a bunch of ex hustlers and thugs and gangsters that had, um, been converted. And, uh, and that's, that's what I did, man. I, I was, but, but the, but the big part of what I was doing was marketing. So I had to study marketing sales. Uh, you know, and that was marketing, sales, and branding. That that's what I studied for, for a decade before I got in the game. So that so that was the that's how you got when you did get into real estate. Like you kind of hit the ground running because yeah, you yeah. already understood, you know, marketing and sales. So at what yeah. point and did branding. you? At what point did you shut down the record label? And why did you? Why did you decide to go into real estate? Like I don't I don't think um, I think that that's an interesting part. So what happened with us is uh, my wife and I is that the label was doing really, really well. We got picked up eventually by EMI Capital. Uh, so when we first started the label, I mean, it was fledgling just like any company. But eventually uh, we started a magazine called Heaven's Hip Hop. And that was kind of a gateway of getting us into a lot of stores. So we had 700 uh, stores, Christian bookstores carrying the magazine. Whoa. Then uh, from there, I was putting ads for my own label on the back cover and stuff like that. And, uh, and then, uh, this small distributor picked us up. We were, they had 42 record labels that they distributed and we were like dead last when we got picked up. Well, within four years, we were number one, the number one label, uh, oh, on the, the distributor. And so that's when we got the attention of EMI, um, capital records and they, they were the number one, uh, Christian distributor in, in the world. And so they picked us up, we did a deal with them and, uh, and that really kind of blew us up. But what happened though was digital came in and see a lot of a lot of people don't realize this. You know, you're in if you're in the real estate game, maybe you're in a different industry, maybe you rock two or three different businesses. But a lot of people don't realize that industries change, they shift. And if you don't know how to shift with that market, okay, then you're going to end up shifting out of the market. <laughs> and that was what happened to me. I mean, I remember we went to a uh, it was in Scottsdale, Arizona. We went to an uh, EMI had a summit flew all the labels in on their dime. And we all did this round table about, Hey, MP3 is coming. How are we going to prepare for this? MP3, 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 this. I was like, man, dude, CDs. We just came from cassette to CD. Like, <laughs> really? Like this ain't yeah. nothing. You know, this, w w w it, it ain't nothing. So I didn't prepare for it. What I could have done was digitize my whole catalog and I would have made bank, but I wasn't smart enough. I, I just, I, I, I put my head in the sand. I poo-pooed it, and our sales went down by thirty percent. Once, um, once the uh, uh, the iPod came out, we were <laughs> forget about it. You know, uh, we were done, and we didn't have really a we didn't have our stuff on iTunes, and so uh, we lost. We went from making one hundred fifty grand a month to thirty thousand a month, and my payroll was forty two thousand a month. So I couldn't even make payroll, bro. And eventually, my house was in foreclosure. Um, I mean, I was, <laughs> I was sinking bad. And so during that time, I was like, I got to liquidate, I got to sell this house. And we had a, a 6,000 square foot home on 10 acres. 
Uh, we had a recording studio on the property, 1200 square feet. We had a 1500 square foot office building and it was a dream. I mean, I had a, a, a one acre pond. It was beautiful, beautiful property uh, in Round Rock. And I said, I got to, I got to sell this. And so when I, when I sold it, tried to sell it on my own, cause I didn't want to hire a realtor and pay them. Um, and then I ended up being, actually, I hired a realtor. She, she didn't sell it. It expired. Tried to sell it on my own. That didn't work. So finally I, I researched and said, okay, who's, who's a hot shot that, at selling homes like this? And I found Jack McDonald. Uh, he took on the case, if, as you will, because it was a very unique property. And uh, when I saw the commission that that I paid him, I paid him 30 grand on the settlement statement. And this was back in 03. And I, and I was 33 years old. I said, man, I just paid this guy 30,000 and I, I I couldn't see much of what he did. Like, like I never talked to him. He came out, uh, Jack McDonald, love the guy. Great, great guy, great realtor. Uh, but he was, uh, he didn't seem to do much. Like after he listed it, I talked to his assistant, his other agents and he collected 30 G's. So I was like, man, maybe this is, maybe this is uh, something I could do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I talked to Jack and I said, man, you think I could do this? And he was like, dude, uh, you could totally do this. So he kind of showed me the ropes and, and that's how I really got in the game. Dang. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah. that was 2003. So you what tell me about, so you got licensed. Um, so did you just like hit the ground running, like with your marketing skills already? What was that like for you? What, what happened was I was very scared. So when I first got in the business, I was just like I am now, you, you guys, you work with me, you know how I am. So when, when I got my license in June of 03, I didn't, I didn't even place it with a company until December of that year. Okay. Why? Because I was studying the game. I was studying. I was like, I gotta be right. I gotta be perfect. I read all the books. I did spreadsheets. I had charts on my wall. I had, I was putting together my, my listing package, my PowerPoint. Pre I mean, I was just, you know, getting ready to get ready the whole time. That's what I was doing. I was studying the game. But uh, in the meantime, my wife and I decided after we sold our house, uh, we we decided to move to South Texas, which was a different market than, than the Austin market that I, that I was used to. So we moved to South Texas. We bought a house. So we were busy with all that. And then I found a small brokerage because Keller Williams wasn't in South Texas. Uh, and, and I really wanted to join Keller Williams, to be honest with you, at the very beginning. Why? Because I read the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book and I liked what I read in there. And I was like... Man, if I if I would have just implemented these strategies in my in my music business, I would still have my company. That's yeah. how I felt that strong about it. And so um, I joined Prudential, and in my first seventy four days, I took twenty one listings. Bro. Dang, twenty one listings. And I was taking. I mean, I took it all. I mean, forty thousand dollars, fifty thousand, sixty thousand. I didn't care. I I'm listing. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, but yeah, I hit the ground running. Um, and it was a new market. Uh, it was mostly Spanish speaking. I didn't know a lot of people. My wife knew, you know, her family lived there. So we leveraged that a little bit. Um, but most of her family was broke. So they weren't trying to buy a house or, or, you know, and I got in the listings right away, by the way, listings from the very beginning, from the jump. Um, and my card, my business card said listing specialist, because that's what the book said. All the books I read said list. So I just, I just followed the books, man. And I just followed the, what it said to do. And, uh, I was extremely, um, blessed from the very beginning. And I didn't know, I didn't know that it was hard. Uh, I, I didn't realize that it was supposed to be difficult. <laughs> I just was green, naive, and I just hit it. Uh, there was a couple of things that I did 
that were that were other people weren't doing. You know, I I came up with a slogan, consider it sold. Um, I did, I found out that I could have four billboards, which I don't recommend these strategies now, but this is stuff I was doing. Uh, I could have four billboards in town for $500 a month. So I found a couple of sponsors uh, that would go in with me. Um, this was actually before RESPA. Um, RESPA kind of came out around that time, but you could get away with a lot of stuff back then. Um, I started doing um, everything that I was taught to do. I did, but I figured out a way for other people to pay for it. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Sponsors, you know, and uh, I had a, I had a 5,000 house farm, you know, I didn't pay a dime for that. Um, I, I didn't really have a SOI, but man, I was just hitting it. The bargain book uh, came out every week. It was like a local rag. Yeah. And I found out I could put a, put a uh, ad in there. I think it was like 25 bucks a week for the ad. You know, are you thinking about selling your home? Uh, list with Nolly, sell, uh, selling less time, get more money, free consultation. And that was, and then I put considerate soul with my big cowboy hat and, and all that on the billboard and, and on the ads and everything was consistent. And so, uh, but it was all, all my messaging was for listings. Every single message that I put out was, was to get a listing. And then you Nothing stayed there, right? You never really deviated from, mm -hmm. from listings, right? I never did. I just changed my strategies because I started with expires. That was my first niche that I started with because uh, my mentor was doing expireds. So I said, okay, I got to do expireds because that's what he's telling me to do. And these, you know, these are people that have already raised their hand and said they want to sell. Right. And, um, and so, and it was a good market for expireds, but then eventually within a, within six months to a year, I mean, we're talking about Oh four, right. Going into there, people couldn't, people were upside down. And I started getting more and more of these that, we're like, no, we can't, you know, we don't. And I was like, man, what, what happened with me was uh, probably my second or third closing. Uh, I was at the closing table um, and actually it was virtual because uh, we moved back to Austin. We were only there for 74 days. <laughs> and that's how I knew, you know, when that's I That's how you knew you took the listings in 74 days. Yeah. Cause I left with my inventory sheet and I signed it to another agent and it was, uh, there was 20, uh, properties that either active or pending on the sheet. I still have the sheet today to this day. Um, and I had already closed uh, a few. So, so we moved back to Austin and we bought a house and everything over there, but I didn't like it. I was like, after I figured out, I could actually do this, this, I could actually do real estate. You were like, let like, me go back home. I'm going back home where the prices are higher. <laughs> I can make <laughs> more money. So that's what I did. Um, and you know, so, so there's a lot of things that I did right from the beginning. There's some, a few things I did wrong, but I think the focus on listings from the very beginning, it, it, I, it became, I became like a magnet dude for listings. It was, let me, it was, let me ask you this, Nolly, like, because you, you said something a few minutes ago about how, um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily recommend those things today. Like you mentioned the billboard and, right. and like the, that local magazine, the bargain hunter thing. Um, yep. the but, bargain book. What if you were a brand new agent today, like, let's just say you got licensed today and you're getting ready. Like you're, you're full-time, like real estate, your deal. There is, there, you got no backup plan, no plan B. What do you think you would do today? If you had to go make your living today, purely off of real estate sales and nothing else. And you were brand new. Yeah, I could do it too, boy. I, I know I'd you could. It. That's why I'd I want to know what, that's why I want to know what you think you would do so, first. 
in this market, what I would do, first of all, I would focus on listings. Okay. You know, so that's still listings. true. You'd still focus on listings. Yeah, because because if you want to market proof yourself, listings is where, where you have to focus. The, the the thing about listings is that when the market is good, there's people that have to sell. You can make a you can get rich in, in a good market. When the market is bad, there's still people that have to sell and you could actually make more money. I've made more money, and I think this is true of you and Fred as well. Uh, I've made double or triple the amount of money that I made in a good, in a bad market as it compared to a good market. Uh, the bad markets are always good for me because I'm an opportunist and I see, uh, opportunity and, but you have to think creatively, you know, you yeah. have to think you have to be creative. So number one, I would focus on listings. Okay. Um, I would, I would definitely, uh, create, I, I would, I would, uh, consistently, okay. Market to my SOI. Uh, I would have a farm and a niche. Okay. And there's okay, specific. So, so SOI, so your sphere of influence. Yep. My sphere your, of influence. Your farm, you mean like a geographical, like you'd have a neighborhood. Yeah. And then it could you be would... a digital farm, but I, I like, I like geo areas. Okay. So geographical farm, but could be, but could be digital. And then you said the last one was a niche. You'd have a, a niche, niche that you I went have, after. I would have a specific niche that was market proof. Okay. And there are several like divorce is market proof. You know, more than 50% of all marriages today end in divorce. So it's between 50 and 60%. And the rest end so, in death. So there's that. <laughs> That's right. You got that right. So so the reality is there's always going to be an opportunity for, I mean, people have to liquidate that property. Yeah. Uh, probate is another one. There's always going to be people leaving the planet and they leave behind an, an asset. And if you know how to do probate, which I've done tons of probate sales, um, you know, the heirs are probably going to want to liquidate that asset. And so, uh, that's another specialty and there's, there's, there's several, but, um, but, the, but the cool, the thing is you want to be the king or the queen of your market. You've got to focus on listings because when you control the inventory, you're, you're at the head of the game. You're at the seat, you're at the head of the table and everybody else is eating off your table. I mean, it's, they're in your house. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? That's how it is, man. And uh, those of us that that did, you know, when in 2008, the reason why Gary Keller had his, uh, um, you know, had Mindy and his people call me to to meet with him, uh, you know, to recruit me to Keller Williams was because I was the number one solo agent in Austin, Texas. Um, I, I did 96 transactions on MLS. I did a, I did several off MLS, but I did 96 transactions. Uh, that were recorded in MLS and they were 90% listings. And uh, when Austin business journal came out with that report uh, of 2008, I was the number one uh, solo producing agent. There was not another agent on there that was, that didn't have any licensed assistants or licensed agents with them that, that did anywhere close to that number. And so, uh, and I wasn't working that much. You know, I had, air, my system was tight, bro. Super tight. When you say you weren't working that much, what do you mean? Like, give me an idea. Well, ballpark. so the thing is what, what a lot of people don't realize, um, on, on a typical listing, there's 46 activities that happen. So the first step is 46 steps. So first step is to generate the lead. And then the 40th step is to close the transaction. And there's six steps that happen after closing. Well, what most people don't realize is that there's only about three to five of those steps that actually require a license. And this is uh, based on where you live. There's some steps that do, some that don't. Uh, so when you're in the listing game, what I did was I had a highly leveraged listing business. So I only focused, actually, um, the, the two things that I focused on, you know, above everything was 
uh, I generated all the leads and I went on the appointments. Okay. Now, eventually I, I leveraged the appointments out to, I, I hired somebody that could go on the appointments for me. But if I just did those two things, I could work two, three, sometimes four hours a day at the most. Now, every single day I, I lead generated every right. day, never missed, never missed, bro. And if, if people say, what, I did a lot of things wrong, but the one thing I did right was I can, I was consistent every single day. I would hit my lead generation bunker and I would not come out until I hit X or this or that, or the number of hours that I committed, which was typically two hours a day. Isn't it funny how you could have that much success and you could relatively screw up almost everything else. But if sure. you spend the time and are just consistent with the lead gen piece, absolutely kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, kinda, it like, doesn't. Everything sort it of doesn't. doesn't matter. It's kind of like the Dan Sullivan quote. Like if you have a problem, but you can write a check to solve the problem, then you don't have a that's problem, right. right? And, and I so, tell people, yeah, that's right. Because I tell people all the time, there's no problem you have right now that 10 new listings won't solve. Man, okay? I think that's the truth. You know, and so so what I what I would do is, uh, you know, a listing appointment took me about an hour. Um, and then you got the drive time and then the lead generation was two hours in the morning. So my, my goal was to be on three or four listing appointments a week. So I would, I would try to get one every day in. Okay. And if you think about it, if that's all you do, so I would, I would generate the lead. Um, when the lead came in, I didn't, I was not the first point of contact. You know, I had Barbara would talk to him. She would ask all the, I had a questionnaire that she would go through, it didn't sound like a questionnaire. It just sounded like a conversation, but she was filling in all the blanks for me. Um, and then by the time I got it, I, I knew everything, had all the research done. And then um, I would just, set, we would set up an appointment. I'd meet with them and uh, the, they already had my pre-listing package. They already had my seller guide. They already had a video uh, that was me presenting what I was going to do when I, you know, with, with them to get their home sold. So they were already like pre-sold on me before I walked through the door. And that's another thing I tell agents is you have to win the listing. Nowadays, you have to win the listing before you ever meet with the seller. That's how I would crush the competition. Man. It's like a formality at that point. Like you're showing up and then you that's just, like, you're just showing up to find, to basically sign paperwork. Dude, I'm spending like 50 minutes talking about your dog and your house. I'm not, we're not, we're not, you're not interviewing me for the listing. We're just chatting. I'm getting to know you. And then, oh, oh yeah, we got to do the paperwork. Okay, let's get that done so we can get back to our conversation. You know, that's that's really how it was. It's all we had to do was decide on the price. When I walked in the door, I had a uh, a three question or a two question listing presentation. I said, Kevin, you really want to get your house sold, don't you? And yeah. you look at me, you say, Yeah, I, I do want to. I do. Would you like me to handle all the details for you? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Now. If they said that, I knew what my work was, okay? I, and then I'd say, Kevin, all we got to do now is figure out the price, bro. Because I know I've already got this house sold. It's already sold. You know, I've already get, in fact, my team has already started the, the, the front marketing for getting this thing on the market. I mean, we're already working on this. So all we got to do now is the paperwork and figure out what price we're going to go with. And that's it. So, so, so now if they said something like, well, I think I might use you, but it, oh, okay. Now I know what I got to do. Okay. I got a few, I got to tidy up some things. We actually had a homework. I had a homework packet that I had them, had them fill out. And Barbara made sure that they had their homework packet filled out with two keys. 
So when I walked in the door, if I saw the, and she would call him up, Hey, Nolly's going to be there at two o'clock today. Is your homework packet? Oh yeah. Crap. We got to get, okay. Make sure you got your homework packet filled out with two keys. Nolly's expecting that when he gets there. So when I got there, I saw the homework packet filled out two keys. It's my listing. Yeah. And what I would do, you know, it, it's a lot of things like that, that people, agents don't realize there's little things, bro, that you can do uh, to just really skew the, you know, skew it in your favor. First of all, I'm laughing because this is the way that you took listings is the way you consult with other agents. Uh, it's almost exactly the same the way you just described it. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm kind of giggling on the inside because I, I get to I get to work with you so much and we talk pretty much daily, at least via text and uh, over Zoom a couple times a week. And so I see you. Uh, and so that that kind of cracks me up. But but it's also kind of like, yeah, why would you change it? Like you actually, you're, you're actually walking, walking the walk, talking the talk and in showing people still to this day, even though I, like, I know you call yourself retired, uh, you know, from, from sales, even though you still sell 15, 20 homes a year trying to not sell homes. Um, but the, but the reality is, is like, that's retirement still, for me. Cause you know, I, I did 153 deals my last year when I was in, when I was in it. You know yeah. And even, well, and even that though, you're telling me you were doing that in three, four or five hours a day. Yeah, that's true. And actually uh, I was in a class one time and uh, you, you, you met Hollis, uh, oh, Hollis yeah, was yeah. in the class and uh, I was talking to him about, you know, I work, you know, I'm, I'm trying to tell him how much I work, but Hollis is in there. So I was like, dang, you know, I got Hollis in the class. Can't so make I was it, like, you okay, can't I'm, make Hollis feel bad for doing all yeah, the Yeah. Yeah. I was like, man, I probably work about six or seven hours a week. And it, and he just started laughing. I mean, he was rolling. He said, man, you don't work no six hours. A week. You, you, you barely work three hours a week. And, and he was, he was, he was true about it. It was, a, it was a fact because um, once you leverage, I mean, listings are highly leverageable, yeah. highly leverageable. And I knew that once I had the listing appointment, once I met with the seller and I had the listing sign, that's it, dude, I'm done because there's no, I only focus on income producing activities. Okay. So income producing activities. And so if you're, what, what does that mean? That means activities that actually create cash flow that's immediate or some kind of future wealth, you know, or, or residual income, things like you, that. That's you, where I spend my time. I love, and, I love that you say that dude, because I think most, yeah. maybe, maybe not most listeners, most real estate agents in general, though, they get so even the ones that are quote unquote successful. So they're making a living. Maybe they're even making a really good living. Yeah. They get so caught up in like all of the other shit that they got to that they think they got to do in a transaction right. that they think is required of them to be present that it, it's like they, they just make it up. So I don't, I guess, so they feel important. I'm not real sure why, but it's pretty crazy when you look at like, I see all these agents like laugh, like, Oh, it's the weekend. Oh wait, not for me. I'm a real estate agent. I'm like, man, yeah, you're, no. you are, you are, you've created your own trap. Like, because That's you've right. decided that everything revolves around you uh, instead of setting up a system and a, and a process yeah, like the way, like right. the way that you have. Yeah. And I, and honestly, when you focus on listings, uh, like I never work night, nights and weekends, I'd, I almost never work Fridays. Um, and I never, and this is, this is when you guys, um, pick me up off the street, right? When you, when, when I partner with you, you knew my habits, right? Like I, I I'm just not used to working. I, I no like doubt. making money. I like bringing in money. And so I had to actually retrain myself to go back to the habits 
when I got into, you know, to EXP and into uh, building my organization again, I had to start doing those things again. And it was like, I said, like, I'm coming out of retirement, like kind of thing. But it was the thing about the listing game is you actually, I taught my sellers how to operate the way I operated. You know, if I had a seller that said something like, well, I can meet with you on Saturday. I said, man, you know, uh, I've got two openings this week. Now I want to get your home sold. And I know you want to have it on the market. You said by next Thursday. And so I could either do Tuesday. I got a three o'clock opening or I could do Thursday at one. Well, how come you can't meet it Saturday? Well, I don't have an opening on Saturday. I've got those two, which one's better. Well, I work. Well, I understand that. And I, sometimes I'd sit them down. I say, look, if you had a toothache, when would you, what would you do about it? Oh, I go to the dentist. Okay. Do you think you'd be going to the dentist on Saturday? No. Why wouldn't you go on Saturday? Cause the dentist isn't open on Saturday and you would take off work to go get your toothache fixed a cavity or something like that cavity field. Now we're talking about your most valuable asset. This is your house. This is your house, right? This is your life savings in this house. From what you told me, your life savings is rolled up in there. Now we're talking about your most valuable asset on earth. And this is more important than a dental appointment. I got to tell you, and here's what we're going to do when we meet either Thursday at this time or Tuesday at that time, which one is better for you. And uh, you know, you, you have to lead the client. You can't let the client lead you. Now, when I was at the appointment, I always let the seller know, you know, after we signed the paperwork, I didn't let them know beforehand, but after we signed the paperwork, I said, you know what, Kevin, I'm kind of sad right now. He said, well, why are you sad? Because I'm about to get to work. I'm going into the cockpit and I'm flying this bird from here to Seoul. That's where we're going, right? We're going to Seoul. That's where we're landing. Yeah, we're going to Seoul. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm the captain. And do you normally see the captain during the flight? I mean, you need, a, you know, some peanuts, some pretzels. Maybe you need a glass of water, an adult beverage. Maybe you even need a blanket or a pillow. Is the captain going to bring that to you when you're, when you're on a commercial flight? No, that, that's usually, okay, well, same like a captain. I've got a team of people, okay? And they're there to handle everything going on with this transaction. Everything. I'm in the cockpit flying this bird from here to Seoul. You're not going to see me. Okay, but don't make no mistake about it. The captain was there the whole time. You might not have seen him during the flight. Okay, uh, after the flight is over, you know we go to closing. You you might see me there. You might see Carolyn there. Or Morris might be there. But I'm going to be doing my job, getting your home sold. That's what I do. So you're not going to see me. And they didn't expect to see me. In fact, when I would call them or just check in or whatever, they were like, "Well, what's wrong?" Like like, and I would tell them. Kevin, if you see the captain during the flight, we got a big problem. <laughs> Something's wrong. Like you, I don't expect the captain to be mingling and, you know, no, 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 no. I do not. I want you in the cockpit. And that's where you want me. You know, I go on appointments like this, like I'm here with you, but all the rest of my time I'm in the cockpit. And that was, that was something that I utilized um, so that they wouldn't have any expect. You know, you always set the expectation, you know, would it offend you if I give you that white glove sort? service and exceed your expectations with my team handling all the details. Kevin, would that, would that, would it offend you if we brought you more than your asking price? Because when, when I'm not having to walk through the cabin, that's when we normally get more than asking. Would it offend you to get more than asking? No, I sure wouldn't. Well, you, I got to tell you right now, you don't want to see me. Okay. Cause you know, and so, you know, you train your people now, a lot of people like to work a lot. I was a workaholic in my first career, and I still like to work. 
you know, working 12, 14, 16 hours a day. But when you realize that you don't have to, now, if you want to do that, you're Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett, and you know, you ain't got to work, but you just, that's, you don't know what, what else to do with your time. That's that it, it should be a choice that you do that. But if you can't just leave your business today and go for two weeks or a week or whatever, without it falling apart, you, your business is not where it sh could be. I say could be, Does that make sense. Hundred percent makes sense. Like I, yeah. that's the trap. I think that's the trap that uh, most agents fall into. Is yeah. because, um, first of all, to be able to tell someone that they can't meet a seller on a Saturday, when that person clearly wants to sell their home, like most agents just flip. They just flip right out. Right when you said that, man, I know some. I know there's someone listening to this right now that they were like, what? He wouldn't go on a Saturday. That's madness. So he just, he must not care. But I would challenge that you do care. In fact, you care more than the person that will run around like a chicken with their head cut off yeah. because you have standards and you have a process for the way you do things. And Absolutely. to your point, if you had a toothache and you were going to the dentist, it's probably not Saturday afternoon. It's probably Tuesday at three or, or Thursday at one, right? You're, you're going to Unless go, it's an emergency. And, and, and there are no emergencies in real estate. <laughs> there are no emergencies in real estate, man. There are, there are literally none. And I, man, I think that's, that's the thing that agents, uh, we, as a, as a, um, as a community, as an industry, we've got to be more professional. The thing is like, here's what I believe about you and all. And you, so correct me if I'm wrong. You would have not taken the listing if it meant you had to go on. If they, if that person stands the ground and says, "Listen, no, I just refuse. I, I believe you need to to work on my schedule. So Saturday, you can meet me Saturday or not at all." I believe you probably turned down that listing. Am I right or, or am I wrong? Yeah, about I that? would turn it down because here's the thing: if you cannot lead your client at the very beginning, then you're not going to lead them through the transaction. You're going to have a difficult transaction. If I cannot get you to skip work. To sit down with me, you know, for two or three hours. Now, one of the things that I did compromise on is I would meet them at their office. I say, okay, I get it. You know, you're 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 a surgeon. You got you know you have a tight window. You have I totally get that. When's your lunch break? My lunch break? Yeah. When do you take a lunch? Well, I typically I have this. Okay, you know what I'm willing to do for you. I don't normally do this, but I'm willing to do this for you. I'm willing to uh, meet you at your office, and we'll just set aside. It only is going to take 20, 30 minutes and we'll go through the paperwork and we'll do, we'll do it that way. You know, now lately I do almost all of my listening appointments on zoom. Okay. So it's, it's kind of a non-issue um, and they just do it on their lunch break or whatever. But, but I, yeah, you have to, you have to be able to see when you go into a listing appointment and you need that listing, you got to have that listing. I went in every listing appointment, even if I knew I needed it, I didn't need it. Okay. Yeah. And you know, one of three outcomes, either you're going to list with me, you're going to not list at all, or you're going to list with someone else. And either way is okay. I'm fine with either way. And I, I, the energy that I carried in now, a lot of agents come in with bad energy, man, bad energy, and they don't get the listing. And they were like, well, because, and what, what happens when your energy is off, this is another conversation, but when your energy is off, they can tell. And they're like, like, why didn't you list with so-and-so? I don't know though. Just something about them. It didn't feel commission right. breath. Yeah, that's it. Like when they got you know, commission breath. Didn't yeah, feel yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, no, it's true. Yeah. I think, and the reason why, here's what I here's what I believe. 
the reason why you could be comfortable in saying one of these three outcomes and being comfortable with all three of them, including not listing and or not listing with you, is the fact that you are going to get another at bat tomorrow. Man, so if I'm you didn't going. get this one today, because you did your job every day, you spent a couple hours every day generating opportunities to go on listing appointments. You knew that. So if you didn't get this one, no big deal. I'll get one tomorrow. Yeah. And the other thing is I always lived on about 40% of my income. Oh. So a lot of people, man, they live right on the edge of what they make. Um, I remember when I first got into real estate, I knew that if I did about 20 deals a year, um, I would, I would be cool. I would be good with my lifestyle. But what I did was I focused on doing a hundred deals a year. Okay. Um, but I didn't want to work anymore. In fact, I wanted to work less than agents doing 20. And so I figured out, okay, what all do I need to do on a listing personally? Like what personally do I have to do? And there was really only two to three things. Number one, I should be generating the leads. Okay. Doing in my lead generation bunker, I should go on the appointments because, uh, I've got, you know, I got this, the, you know, I I've learned how to do that. The dog and pony show is really good. And, uh, and then I should be no negotiating contracts. Um, and, you know, if the deal is going sideways, I need to step in and save it, but that's it. There's really no other activity, uh, that, that would require my personal time and attention. And the game was how much can I make per hour on this deal? So if you're paying me 15,000 to sell your house, if I could put in three hours of time, I'm good. You know, you just paid me, you know, five grand an hour. I'm cool with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I didn't tell the client that I didn't tell the client that right, but they didn't care. They just wanted the result. I love, you know, there's listeners out there and I love them. uh, And, and I'm thinking about a couple actual listeners that are, I'd consider friends. Um, They're thinking right now, but I can't do that. Like I got white glove service. I got a, I'm going to help them stage the house. And what I want that listener to take in is the fact that they I want, I want you to be aware that you are making that decision. That is not something that you have to do. That is something that you are choosing to do. And there is another way to do it that doesn't involve more of your time, but you're choosing to, uh, you're choosing to use your time, which is fine. Be just be aware of it. And really just what I'm saying is be clean with yourself. Be honest with yourself about what choices it is that you are making, because you don't have to make that choice. You could actually sell more homes in less time and make more money, but you're choosing to be involved in more things than you should be. What most people don't realize, Kevin, and you're you're spot on. What you just said is gold. And hopefully, see, the ego gets involved and the ego's yeah. like, man, I gotta personally do it. I gotta, I'm Nolly Williams, fool. Who's going you know, what you talking about? I remember when I when I hired my first gal because I was overwhelmed. I, you know. I don't know if you've ever had that this happen to you. You're listening right now. When you start taking 10, 12, 15 listings a month, okay, that's that's I did that for 10 years in a row. Okay. Uh, there was bare, scarcely a month and I didn't take 10 listings. And when you start doing that consistently, you start needing help. And I got to the point where I was like, man, if I just had somebody go on my appointments for me, it got to that point. Now think about this for a minute. I actually hired Susan, uh, uh Susan Prey. That's her name. And she was so good at going on appointments. She she was the buyer agent on a deal that I had done. Uh, or she was a buyer agent on, on one of my listings. And I was like, I just was very impressed with how she did business. And so I recruited her. She started working for me and I gave her 30% of every deal. 
Okay. And she would literally, I would just have her posted up with, with, with appointments. Like you got one Tuesday, you got one Thursday, you got two, two on this day, you got one, you know, and she would just go on all the appointments for me after a certain, you know, number of years, I started doing it that way. And, um, people, when she got to the appointment, they would say, they would look at her now here, here, she was, you know, petite, you know, Caucasian brunette, five foot tall, you know, here I'm black cowboy. They're like, where's the black cowboy? We expected to see, oh, you're looking for Nolly Williams? She'd look at him right in the eye. She said, I am Nolly Williams. Damn. She was gangster, bro. And this is how I always operated. My 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 operation was always, you know, you could say it was a little bit gangster. Because think about this, man. You walk into JCPenney and you're like, I'm only, you know, we've heard this before, right? I'm only going to do business with JC. Where's JC at? <laughs> well, sir, I can show you some ties or what do you want to look at? No, no, no. Unless JC personally comes out here and does business with me, I'm not going to buy anything from this store. They'd run you right out. Yeah. And and this is, this is what most agents think is that they have, th there's no way JC Penny could have done what he did if he had been the only been a proprietor and stayed in that role. Yeah. You can't um, be the cog. You can't be, if you're yeah, going to own a business, you're the bottleneck. Yeah. The you bottleneck. can't, you can't do that. Absolutely. Well, here, here's what I love. Now we got about mm, seven, eight minutes left. Um, and what I, what I was hoping we could do is we've talked a lot about uh, your story. We talked a lot about really your, how, how you have successfully run a real estate business for a long time, how to actually still do it. Um, but you can only fit so much time in, in 45 to, to 60 minutes. Right. And I happen to, to have on good authority that while you've written some other books in the past, we're not going to talk about those today. Um, you did, you did just recently complete another book that's coming out soon. And I was hoping that you would take a couple minutes and, and tell the listeners about this book, because I think that if what you and I just spoke about for the last, especially the last 25 minutes of this conversation, if any of that resonates with you, and if any of that goes, man, you know what, maybe I want a little bit more of that in my business. I want to get a little closer to hundred deals a year, working a couple hours a day, not working Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if any of that is like appealing to you at all. Um, I think that, you know, your new book is, is the perfect thing. So could you tell the listeners a little bit about it? Maybe the title of the book, uh, yeah, and so then what's in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it, it's, the book is called three hours a day. Okay. And it's all about how entrepreneurs can multiply their income by working less, you know, living more and working less. And uh, it, it's it's a really big idea and how it came about uh, this company called Two Market Media. Um, they discovered Mel Robbins. They discovered Grant Cardone. Uh, they work with Tim Story, Evan Carmichael, a lot of a lot of known people. Um, before they become known, they start working with these people, and they'd seen me on YouTube and things like that. And they were like, "Man, there's something about you. We we want to learn more about what you do." So through, as they started looking at my process for business, cause I'm a nerd, man, when it comes to studying entrepreneurship and they said, man, this, they said, this is, you know, you're, you're the business healer, you know, that, so that, that's how the title came about. That's where the title came from. Yeah. Because it came, it, it, it it's a, it's a longer story, but the, the point is what I do with businesses is I go in and I help you run more efficiently. Uh, there, the truth of the matter is this, it's very simple. There's only about 10% of the things that you do every day in your business that really move the needle. Like if you say, hey, this year I want to make 400000 in commission, there's only about 10% 
some could argue 20%, but it's not going to be more than that of the things that you're doing in your day. If I was to look at your day, uh, we probably could cut out 80% of what you do and you still would make about 90% of that amount, you know, uh, just cutting out everything, all the crap out all, you know, in the weeds. And, you know, people say all the time, uh, you should be working on your business, not in your business. And what these guys discovered when they started looking at my process is that I do that all the time. That's how I operate. And uh, we would be on these discovery calls and they'd be like, well, where are you at now? Your background looks different. I say, oh, I'm in Sarasota this week. We just came here to hang out. Oh, where are you at now? Man, I'm in Spain this week. I'm, we're doing this. Oh, where are you at now? Oh, you, I'm in Phoenix. And every week we had these calls and I was always somewhere different. You know how I do it. Oh, yeah. And they were like, how are you? We, we work with a lot of brands. They said, how are you able to do this? We don't know anybody that lives your lifestyle the way I said, well, I work three hours a day. I do this. I do that. How is that possible? So what what they had me do was reverse engineer my process to how I got to uh, this 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 way of working, this way of living. You know, if you want to make twenty thousand, thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars a month, uh, four to five vacations uh, a year, you know, four to five weeks that you take on vacation, being completely debt free, nights and weekends off. Uh, and, and that's the lifestyle that you, you know, working three hours a day. If that's the lifestyle that you say, hey, I want that, then basically i've that's the book the book dissects exactly how to do that how to do it and what i've learned is that a lot of people hear about it and they just say i'm just going to work less that's not the secret because you can't just work less if you start working less your business is probably going to collapse you know so you have to set it up a certain way so i so in the book i actually step by step have it's a seven step process so that within the next nine months to a year, you can actually get to your three hours a day. But really, Kevin, it starts with, and I'll, I'll leave this so it won't be a teaser. It starts with uh, picking two big picture priorities and focusing on those two big, big picture priorities for three hours a day. And then as much as you want to work, if you want to work eight hours, 10 hours, I don't care, but I want you three hours a day working on your two big picture priorities. Okay. And if you, if, by the way, if you're in business, you only have two problems. You either you don't have enough money or you don't have enough time. Okay. Now, if you don't have enough money, you have a cash flow problem. It's, you know, you don't have enough now money and you fix that problem with lead generation. So your two big picture priorities, if, you, if you're in that camp is I want for three hours a day, I want you to be focusing on generating leads and going on appointments. Those are the two things that are going to move the needle the most in your business, going on, uh, generating leads for two hours and having an hour a day to go on an appointment. Okay. Now, if you're, if you're making a ton of money, okay, you're, you're making like, I, you know, I, I hung out with GoGo, a uh, good friend of ours uh, last week. And she was like, I'm working too much. Well, she made $75,000 last month in one area of her business. I happen to know she owns three businesses. So she probably made a quarter million dollars last month but she's working more than she knows she should. Okay. If you got that problem, then you got a time problem. And the two big picture priorities you should be focusing on. Okay. is branding and leadership. If you focus on those two things, it will move the needle 90% toward the goals. You'll still be making 90% of your, the money that you need or that you're making now. And eventually you'll quadruple your income when you, when you really fully implement this. So branding is basically, you know, like, like, like what I do, you know, being on podcast, being on, t have, you know, starting a TV show, maybe having your own podcast, doing your YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff is branding and leadership is 
leading your team, making sure you've got the right people in the right places so that there's no slack in your operation. You know, somebody's got to be doing those tasks. That's not you. But in most cases, Kevin, what I've found is that the people that I hire because I personality profile them for the position are, they far exceed my level of excellence when it comes to del delivering on the product. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Talking my language. <laughs> delivering on the promise. Yeah. I yeah, love yeah. it, man. So, so I break it all down in three hours a day. So, and for, so that book is coming out in July. Um, we'll, this will be released before then. Um, but you can, you can pre-order, right? So if we go to three, yeah, is it three hours a day? Yeah. So we're, we're really, I'm, I want to impress. So, so here's what happened with when, when, when we wrote the book before we pitched it to, uh, you know, I wrote the book before we even pitched it and my, uh, you know, two market media said, look, we're going to pitch it to the top three publishers in America. They probably won't pick it up. Nolly, don't get your hopes up. Cause we got, we got this other list of 30 publishers. And if none of them pick it up, we got this other list of about 300. <laughs> Somebody's going to pick it up. So they they sent it to Hay House. They sent it to McGraw-Hill and one other one. And, uh, and McGraw-Hill snapped on it right away. They said, this is a big idea that, that entrepreneurs need. And so it's going to be, it's released on McGraw-Hill. And because I want to get the, the pre-order numbers up, um, I'm offering, I'm giving over $300 of bonuses for anybody that pre-orders the book. Okay, the book is less than 30 bucks. But if you pre-order, you're going to get $300 of bonuses when you go to threehoursaday.com. The number threehoursaday.com. We'll and, put that uh, in the so, show notes too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited oh. about getting this knowledge out because I want to see more entrepreneurs winning, man. I, I think there's going to be an army of entrepreneurs that realize, wake up and realize I don't have to work as much as I have. I don't have to put that much into it as I thought. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Man, so you this just sold the fun, copy. Bro. You just sold the copy, dude. I'm I'm buying a copy right now. <laughs> just I've had my pre-order ready for a while. But I'm gonna go buy another one now because I I love it so much, man. All right, guys, three hours a day.com. That's the number three, three hours a day.com. Go there, pre-order a copy of the book. I promise you'll get a lot out of it, especially if you enjoyed the last 50, 60, 50, 55 minutes of our conversation and Nolly's story, you are, you know, that he's got a lot to share and a lot to give. And if he can give that much in a conversation, imagine what he could do in a book and how that could impact your life. So three hours a day.com go there now buy the book, uh, maybe get a copy for someone else in your office and, uh, and then and share all your it. leadership tell team should have it too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Man, Nolly Williams, my brother, dude. I, and I, I say that, but like, I, I genuinely, consider you as a brother of mine. I, uh, I love you, dude. I'm so excited for this new book launch for you. Uh, and I'm just thankful to not just be in business with you, but to be able to have the the friendship and the relationship that we have with you and, and Josie and, uh, man, after all these years and I'm, I feel like we're just getting started. I feel the same way. I appreciate you, brother. You're, you're a great leader. You know, you're, you're one, you're a senior partner of mine and I appreciate everything you do for me every day, brother. Thank you Pre so much. Appreciate it, man. All right, listeners, go out three hours a day.com, get a copy of that book, share it with someone, and uh, we'll see you guys again next week. Nolly Williams, thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're looking for even more valuable content and resources to help you grow your business, then we invite you to join our community, Next Level Agents at eXp Realty. By joining us, you'll gain access to exclusive benefits like 
live trainings, events, masterminds, weekly Zooms, digital downloads, and so much more, all designed to help you grow your business. To learn more and become a part of our community, simply visit kevinandfred.com forward slash contact and get in touch with us today. Of course, if you're not quite ready to take the plunge and join our community, that's no problem at all. You can still access all of our great content for free right here on this podcast. And again, we thank you for listening. We look forward to continuing to bring you valuable insights and more advice in the future.